Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Today's guest is Daryl Pinnock. He is a graphic designer and a podcaster. So for anybody out there who is interested in making a living as a creative professional, this is definitely one to pay attention to. His show kind of dives into the behind the scenes of being a creator in terms of how you find inspiration, how you grow your business, how to manage your own psychology, all things that, as you will know if you listen to the show, I'm super passionate about, and that is why I'm excited to have him on. So he is a self-taught graphic designer, just like I was at the beginning of my career, and he's managed to create a nice little career for himself, and we explain exactly how he did it. The key thing here, which seems kind of obvious to me now at this point in my life, but definitely wasn't when I was younger is that it's all about relationships. And I know for a lot of creative people, the idea of going out there and talking to strangers about yourself and then asking them for money and stuff like that sounds pretty scary. I totally understand, but in this episode, we are gonna give you some really practical hands-on tips for how you can do that, even if you are the world's biggest introvert, because I'm an introvert, I think Daryl is too. And if we can do it, you can do it. So if you are interested in getting a career started as a creative professional of any kind, whether that is a designer, a photographer, illustrator, videographer, whatever, then this episode is for you. Before I get into it, just wanted to mention the three ways that you can help the show. Number one, share it on social media. If you think this is a good conversation, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Friendster, Orcut, we don't care. Tag me, tag the guest, tag Deanna. We really appreciate it. Number two, if you really like the show, then you can buy some merch. And when you do, send me a picture of it because I want to share that. Nobody ever sends me a picture of themselves wearing it, which is weird. I wish you would. Number three, if you really, really like us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. Patrons get access to every show a week early. There's a members-only private Discord server that I'm in all the time. There's an opportunity to have me review your band or your podcast, your YouTube channel, graphic design portfolio, your blog, any other kind of project that you would like to get my eyes on and get my feedback. You can do that if you are a Patreon at the $10 or not member. So if that sounds cool, there's a link to that in the show notes. And with that out of the way, let's get into the show. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, how's the week treating you so far? I'm doing great, man. It's been It's been busy, but a good week. Well, that's one thing I wanted to ask you. I know you you got your hands in a few pies. You have the podcast, you do design stuff. Is the agency, is that your company? Do you work for another company? Or tell me, tell me a little bit about your work situation. Currently, I mean, of course, as most of us designers, we all got our thing on the side um, that we do for freelance and, um, you know, I mean, under some kind of agency umbrella. But right now, I work for two places. I work full-time for an agency, for a marketing agency. And I serve on the staff as a designer for a church. Got it. Okay. And then you do also do the side hustle like like yeah. all of us. Cool. Uh, one interesting thing to me about your, I don't know, not not just your work, but the, but the way you think about things. I, I think that designers are kind of in two camps. There's one camp that's the frustrated fine artist where you, you know, get the sense that if they could, they would just, you know, make their own art all day long and nobody could tell them what to do. And that'd be a perfect world where clients would just fuck off and let them do whatever they want. Um, and then there's another <laughs> kind of designer, which would be me. And I think you as well, where it's like, well, this is my job, which is not to say that I'm not passionate about art, but it's not about me. It's about solving a problem for my clients. Definitely. And for the most part, like it takes a little while to kind of learn that, you know what I mean? Cause I'm, I wouldn't say I came out the gate, you know what I mean? Oh, this is, I know that it's all about my clients that is solving this problem. Nah. But after a while you realize like the more you step out of the front and let, and put the client first and kind of understand where they're coming from. And, and that goes with something that us, cause most designers are introverts that we don't like doing is like having a deep conversation with your client. Mm -hmm and kind of understanding what, where they're coming from, because they have the information. It's just your job to be able to communicate it. There's a lot of designers that think they know the client's business better than the client does. And that's always really embarrassing for me to see. Nah, that's not a good thing. Nah, you don't. <laughs> like, well, what you guys should really do is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> all right, buddy. I just, I hired you to redo the logo, not tell me how to change my entire business. Facts. Yeah. 
What's the difference between your day job and the kind of stuff you do as uh, you know, a side hustle? Well, for the most part, like side hustle usually is having to do with logos, just straight logos, a lot of lettering stuff, calligraphy in, in some social media, like, you know what I mean? Graphics creating for posts and stuff like that. That's mostly what my side hustle is right now, mainly because that's what I put out there because that's what I want to do. Um, I don't really put out anything else unless like a client that I've had for years, they know me and they'd be like, okay, can you also do this for me? Then I'll do it. But I'm really, I could do a lot of different stuff. Cause like at the agency, you know, I'm doing everything from a website layout down to a a business card layout, but I don't really put all of that stuff out because I really want to do that all the time. That's a really smart thing that took me a long time to realize is uh, as my friend mentor told me, the kind of work that you put out is the kind of work that you're going to get asked to do more of. Exactly. Very true. And like, you know, we all do stuff that we're not necessarily that excited about as designers. Like the example I always use is one time I made a terrible website. I mean, it worked, but it was a very ugly website for this woman who sold like scented candles. And (laughs) she was happy with it because it solved her problem. But I would never, but it was not something I would ever want to do again. And so I realized that like, oh, I don't have to tell anybody I did this. That's true. And and I think it's kind of like, and even in that, there's two camps. You know what I mean? There, there's the people that kind of put out what they want to get work for. And there's the other set that kind of feels like if they don't put some everything out that they've done, they're missing out on something, which is kind of like, you know, it's not really true, but you kind of have to mentally get over that. Tell me more about that. What do you think? I agree with you, but tell me why you think that's not true. All right. So from my personal experience, like, one, you're you're going to end up doing stuff that you don't really like doing. That's number one. And number two, like almost nine times out of 10, like I focus on a specific thing. I put it out there. One, people respect you more and respect your opinion more because they feel like you spent a lot of time in this specific thing. And two, almost every person that I've ever done what the thing that I want to do for it, they've come to me for other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it still comes back around full circle, but initially it kind of goes the direction that you want to go versus like, you're like this jumping from one thing to the next, jumping from one thing to the next and just not really enjoying the process. That is exactly how I feel about it. Like I always tell people that they should, whether they're a designer or a photographer, whatever it is that you do that like specializing in one thing will create more opportunities because it's exactly what you said. Like, Really, the whole goal of your like portfolio or whatever is just to get the conversation started. True. And you want somebody, what is the, what's going to give that person a reason to pick up the phone or send an email or whatever, get in touch with you in the first place? If your portfolio is all over the place, like they're probably not going to get that excited because it's just a little of everything. But that person that comes to you, because, so like, you know, looking at your portfolio, like you said, what I see is that you've kind of positioned yourself as all about like lettering and in particular, like hand lettering or, digital lettering that's kind of in the style of hand lettering. Mm -hmm. So someone's going to come to you because they're excited about that. And then they're going to say, by the way, we also need a new website. Can you help with that? And you say, yes, I definitely can. Yeah, it's true. And it's all about how do you want the person who is coming to you or the person that you're going to to perceive you? Because as I said, and and I don't want to kind of gloss over this one, when you specialize, people will will respect your expertise more. And as as a designer, um, when it comes to communicating visually, that's your expertise. It may not be in a specific industry or whatever the case may be, but to communicate the message visually, that's your expertise. And that's what you want people to kind of respect and take your opinion, you know, much more serious. And that's such a great point because I feel like one of the biggest struggles for younger designers which I think is a lot of people listening to this. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping we can get out of this conversation is some really specific things for someone who's either earlier in their design career or wants to get started. Like, what do I do? Being respected, I think, is one of those things that younger designers really get frustrated. Like they feel like they're not respected by the clients. True. It's a funny thing. I mean, all of us, sometimes it's in our head. It's in our own head. All of us go through that at some point. And a great contributor to that is what you put out. If you present yourself as someone that, you know what I mean, you're kind of not really sure, people are going to think you're not really sure. It's all about how you present yourself. And for me, 
I mean, it wasn't always like that, but you kind of have to just tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until you feel like, okay, I'm in a good groove right now. Who did I attract when I did this? And, and that's all it's about and getting feedback. I mean, the biggest thing that I've ever done is getting a community, a group of people around me that I could kind of get feedback from that would be straight up and be brutally honest with me. Is that people in person or online or both? Both. I mean, eventually, like they all became people in person because we found some way to meet up because that's the cool thing about you. You get you build all these digital relationships. And then when you get to meet each other in person, it's like it's just this feeling that, uh, you know, I can't really explain it because say, for example, like me and you right now, now we're going to have this conversation. We're going to build some kind of rapport. We meet in person. It's just like a special connection. And I would, I would encourage everyone to kind of build some kind of a good community if it's in your neighborhood or just digitally, just build some kind of relationship around people in your industry. It's interesting you say that because I feel like, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I give to people a lot is like, go to meetups in your area and just like talk to people and shit will happen. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how exactly it's going to happen, but it will. And it's, it's almost like, I mean, maybe I'm showing my age, but it's almost like the idea of meeting people in person had never occurred to them, you know? <laughs> it's, it's funny, funny, but true. I mean, it just makes the relationship, it takes it to another level and now it becomes more than, it becomes personal. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to set things apart. Even if you're trying to strategically build relationships, the more personal they become, the greater benefits you'll get out of it. Like, let's say that you have the potential to work for your dream client as a creator. And there's five people who want the same project and you're all equally good, but they've spent even just three minutes talking with you at some event. Which person do you think they're going to pick? You already know. I mean, you're going to be on the front. Now it's up to you to have the, the, the work and all of that stuff, but the goal is to get, you're going to be on their minds. You know what I mean? You're going to have that connection with them that the next person won't have. And the reason I'm focusing on this is because I think for most creators, it's the business part that's really hard. Of mm -hmm. course, we can all be better at our work, but I think the hardest part for people is like, all right, well, I think I'm okay at this, but how do I get people to pay me for it? <laughs> um, and you didn't go to school for design. I, I eventually did, but not until I had been a designer for a while, mm. it was really hard for me to ever kind of get my foot in the door. How did you do it? I went to school for a very much different type of design. Actually, it's just building relationships. That's how I got my foot in the door, just building relationships. Um, what was like the and, one key relationship that made it happen? I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't say there was like a specific one. I could tell you probably, let me see, because podcasting helped me a lot. Building relationships to podcast and helped me a ton. And I would say there was one dude. So let me backtrack a little. So in 2015, I went down the rabbit hole of podcasting. And that's before I even thought of just listening to a podcast. And I found a community called Sean West. And at this time, I was kind of looking for a group of people to kind of just, you know, chop it up with. And through that, I found this conference called Creative South and eventually got to knew, know the, the guy that runs it. Um, now, to today, we're like really good friends. Like we call each other. We talk life. We no longer talk about, you know, strategy or business. We just talk life. So I would say that's one person. I would say like just getting to know him and, and the different people it got me. I got to know through that was probably one of the biggest, but honestly, just building relationships, consistently building relationships, just genuine friendships. Well, let me get specific here for people who are like, all right, cool. But how do you get to know someone who runs a conference? Like walk me through how that exactly happens. All right. So first of all, you just got to ask people, just talk to people, reach out. That's the first thing I would say, just fundamentally reach out. When you put yourself out there, there's a greater chance you're going to hear more no's than yes, but don't take it personally. That's the biggest thing that I've ever learned through all of this. Don't take nothing personal. You get through a lot. So literally, I just I sent them a message kind of complimenting them on the conference and just kind of saying, listen, bro, this like it's a pretty cool conference. Like, you know what I mean? 
And he he hit me back and was like, hey, man, let's get together. I would love to hear your thoughts and different things. And that and it kind of snowballed from there. It doesn't always go out ideally like that. I could give you like, for example, I had somebody on my podcast that's a producer at ESPN. I literally was a fan of one of their radio shows. And I did like a whole mock up of like if I if I did the logo for the radio show, ESPN show um in new york it's like the number one show in new york and i and i just posted online and it got a lot of attention on twitter and i sent it to him and he was like yo this is cool man and we just built a relationship now we got a relationship and it's not even about anything else than just we live in life so you got to be willing to put yourself out there willing to hear no and kind of brushing your shoulders off and keeping it moving but if you don't reach out Nine times out of 10, they won't even know you exist. And you probably did stuff like this 20 other times that you don't even remember because <laughs> they never got back never to you. Out to, like, never yeah. panned out to anything. You know but what I mean? It doesn't matter because you only need to <laughs> right. hear yes once or twice from the right people to change your life. It's, it's, it's really that. And I would tell you, a lot of this is a lot of mental fortitude because like, you will hear no's, you will hear crickets, but you got to do your best to just not take anything personal. Because I've also had people that told me no in the beginning. And once my podcast grew a little more and I got a little bit of notoriety, those people came back. So, you know, it just you just got to have tunnel vision. There. The part about putting yourself out there is like the biggest takeaway that I would say for anybody listening. Like if you're doing the best work in the world, but nobody knows about it because you're just like, putting it up on your wall in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. If you want to just be an artist that just makes art for yourself, that's great. But if you want people to pay you for it, you got to put yourself out there. And that's the part that I know is hard for a lot of people. Like you said, most of us are introverts, but even introverts can do it. Like it's as simple as like if you're waiting in line for, you know, the buffet at a conference or something, just talk to the person in front of you or behind you. Just hey man, what's going on? Simple. Where are you coming from? Just that simple. <laughs> and, and that person, you could start a company with that person that changes your life. You're like, how did you guys meet? Well, we were in the buffet, you know, in line for the buffet, and that was it. Dude, you just never know, man. Just never know. I could give stories after stories, just sparking up a conversation with someone. You know what I mean? You, you, you just, you just never know. The big one for me back when I was, you know, kind of a self-taught designer trying to break through, I met a guy. I was working in a print shop at the time and I, I met a guy there who owned an agency and I just felt like I got along with him and I called him afterwards and I was like, hey, I know this is kind of weird, but I felt like we had a good conversation. I was curious if you might have a job for me. And he said no at first, but I kept bugging him. And maybe a month later or something like that, things worked out. I ended up working for them and I did stuff for like Nike and Nintendo and Red Bull. Like, and once you have names like that in your resume, it starts to get a lot easier to hear yeses from other people. And it's all because I just took a flyer and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to call this guy. But you see, the, the thing that you said, he didn't say yes on the first try. No, it's like trying yes. 10. So you see, and that's what I think that's probably the biggest message that I would tell. I, I try to tell a lot of people is that you just got to keep just keep hacking at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, if it happens overnight, that's great, but it probably won't. And that's just the name of the game. I think there's a, a misconception among people that like you read a profile of, you know, whatever famous cool designer or photographer, whatever that you like. And it seems like their career has been here forever, but it wasn't, you just didn't hear about them in the five years. when they were like grinding away in obscurity. Nobody knew about that part. But everybody so goes true. through that, or at least I think almost everybody. Yeah. You've got to like some kind of some child prodigy or something like that. But 95% of us go through that. I mean, one thing I'd give someone one tip, like if you're in any specific industry, like offer something to the industry. If you want to get their attention, offer something to the industry. Offer, you know, how can you celebrate this industry? How can you celebrate the people in the industry? How, what can you bring to this table that will create a community for the industry. So that's kind of what I would say, like think in those aspects, because that will kind of, people will let their guard down because 
you want to bring light or celebrate a specific industry. They're, they'll let their guard down and be like, hey, come on in, because we, everybody wants a, a light to go on their industry. You know what I mean? You know, I guess it's kind of along the same lines. Tell me if this is what you're we're thinking of. There's a startup conference or not. It's a, like a monthly meetup that I had been to a few times here in Seattle. It's not huge, but it's really cool. Great guests and stuff. And I thought, man, I, I would love to be more connected to this network. But I don't want to be the guy passing out business cards, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that's not my style. And I thought, well, how can I be more a part of this? So I just after I'd been to three or four of them, I just went up to the host of the thing and I said, hey, I would love to help volunteers set up chairs, you know, go pick up sandwiches, whatever it is that you need to be done because, you know, they have no budget. And he was like, sure, sounds great. Like, let's do it. And I've been volunteering for them for like, you know, nine months or something now. And as a result of that, I have a good relationship with him and he knows absolutely everybody in the startup community here. So now everyone in the Seattle startup community is one step away from me if I ever wanted an introduction. Right. Now you may never cash that chip in, but now you have it just by offering. You're not trying to no monetary transaction. You're just offering with, you know what I mean? Just offering yourself to the industry. If you find your way of giving that approach. My approach was was doing that. I've done that. Podcasting was my approach to offer something to the industry to just celebrate other people. So find something to offer to the industry and you will see how much you kind of hyperdrive the path that you, you should have taken trying to get to know people or whatever. Now, with all that being said, I'm guessing you would agree here. I think it's important not to go into these sort of things with the mindset of, I'm going to get something out of this. Like I wanted to volunteer and help that event because I think it's a cool event and I want to help. And I'm confident that somehow or another that will end up benefiting me. But I, but that's not my expectation. I just think it's a cool thing that I want to be part of just the same as with your podcast. You're not doing this because you know, you're, it's not a, it's not just a business development vehicle for you. Although I'm sure it will be that, but can you talk about kind of how to balance that understanding that good things will happen without going into it sort of with a transactional mindset, if that makes sense. The first thing I would say is just kind of give without anything in expectation. That's just how I would like to, everyone should try to do that. Just give without expectation because you will, you will enjoy what you're giving more. Your, if it's your time, your talent, whatever the case may be. Podcasting, like it's brought a lot of business and transaction and all of that stuff. But the thing I, I love the most about the podcasting is the people that I have on there, celebrating them, the conversations I get to have. That was the only thing. That's the only thing I had in mind at the time. That's the only thing, you know, when I when I sent that guy the message that runs the conference, that's the only thing I had in mind just to kind of tell them you're doing a good job. So the more you try to approach it now, I mean, I know we are in all perfect. But if you want to enjoy it and you want to see the fulfillment of it, give without nothing in expectation. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. 
But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Well, let's talk about podcasts then, because uh, mm-hmm. looking here, you're on episode 147, which is a lot. What I see a lot is people start a podcast, they get to episode number three, and they're like, ooh, there's a lot more work than I thought. And then they do two more episodes, and then it just kind of disappears. You've stuck with this. Tell me about what has kept you going 147 episodes. Dude. At times I ask myself that question, what has kept me going? At this point, I've seen the benefits of it. I've seen too many benefits of it. Like me having this conversation with you somewhere down the line had something to do with the podcast. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't, I can't really pinpoint it yet, but it has something to do with the podcast. So I, I, at this point, I see the benefits. So it's pretty easy for me to say like, um, the more I do it, I just feel like the more I'm going to receive because I'm giving so much because we all know how much work goes into this bad boy. Like every podcaster out there, I give you much respect, much love because it's hard as heck to do. So if you don't plan to like do a lot of work, if you don't enjoy editing, if you don't enjoy like spending a few days promoting an episode like I podcasting probably not your thing, but what keeps me going is just like the relationships when it, when it all boils down to it, I've built relationships through path podcasting that I treasure like a chest of gold. And I would never change that, never change that because I've, I've gotten to know and built friendships with people that I love from the depth of my heart and that I wouldn't trade for the world. The common thread between, I think everything we've talked about so far, and I do have some more questions about podcasting, but I just want to like pause on the importance of relationships because that's like, that is the common thread. And I feel like that doesn't get talked about nearly enough in the creative world, which is strange to me. I don't know, man. It's, and you're a hundred percent right. I just feel like everyone, and I want you to get better at your work. You should get better at your work. You should be as best as you possibly can. But I know a lot of amazing designers that nobody knows about. Yep. And there's a lot of crappy designers that, that have everybody knows. careers <laughs> because they're good salespeople. Yeah, it's just true. I mean, like, I feel like the ones who have the combination of both will last the journey. Relationships, if that's what you want, is what's going to get you through the door. And it's just a good thing. You know what I mean? Just in all essence, just building good relationships, people that you could talk with people that kind of understand what you're going through people that are, you know, you could talk life with, cause after a while, it's no longer about design. It's no longer about design business. It's about how your kids doing, how your wife doing, how, yeah. how your spouse doing, you know what I mean? Hey, um, we're, you know, I'm moving any insight, you know what I mean? I'm going through this rough time. Like, can we talk? 
like that's when you know okay now we kind of get to another level yeah i mean there's people i know through music that i've known for 20 25 years i can't even remember the last time i talked about music with them because it's so much further than that so let's say that somebody is starting out a podcast and they've got their dream list of guests you know there's of course there's some like if you want to get mark cuban on the show that's probably not going to happen but you know there's there's some there's some guests that are maybe a bit of a stretch but attainable how would you suggest somebody goes out to reach out to those people before they have much of a name like how do you kind of build that network from zero all right so i have a couple different hacks so if you want to get like a big name person look at the people around them look at the people that serve them look at the people that work for them and talk to those people interview those people and eventually your name will get mentioned because after a while they're going to have multiple employees that's been on your podcast if if you want your name to get at the top of the list do that interview those people around them celebrate the people around them because any leader or any person high up most of them you know what i mean they appreciate people celebrating the people under them even Mm -hmm. more so i would say do that interview the people around them kind of so like if i wanted to interview you know the founder of some athleisure brand and she's a big deal and she's probably not going to respond to my dms i should talk to maybe her like creative director Mm -hmm. and her marketing manager and her operations manager and then eventually there's a good chance that i will get introduced to her and then she'll be on my show yeah i i've done it multiple times. You know what I mean? I've also kind of just reached out to the person that I want to. And sometimes I'm, I'm amazingly surprised. Yeah, let's do it. But a lot of times, especially when they got publicists and stuff like that, it gets a little bit harder to get to the person. So I would say that's, that's one way of um, doing it. Another, another way of getting like, kind of, you got, you kind of also got to be realistic with who you're trying to get on your show. Like it doesn't work. Like, now it's a it, especially in the design community it's a little easier for me to get you know people that's super popular it's easier now but it wasn't always like that you know what i mean and honestly it's just like with the client list you just really need one you just need one yep you just need one person that you could recommend and if you once you have that person i tell anyone put the people that you've had on your podcast in your invite to the guest Cause then that will carry a little bit. Okay. It's a safe. Cause you want to make yourself presume as safe as possible. Yep. I, that man, that is like, this is solid gold for anybody listening. Like this is exactly how you do it. Cause like nobody wants to be the first to do the thing, <laughs> you know, like if you want to have a major league soccer player on, like they want to know that other people of comparable yeah. stature have been on the show because not, not that they're like selfish. It's just like their time is valuable. They can't say yes to everything. They just can't. And True. so, like you said, you want it to be a safe bet. You want to de-risk it and make them go, okay, yeah, this looks like something I should do. Yeah. And the way you do that, like I think of it like a ladder, you know, if fill in the blank dream guest is at the top of the ladder, it might take you two years to get there. But each other guest along the way is a step, a step on that ladder stone. until eventually it becomes clear that the next step is whoever this big name is. Yeah, be patient. Trust me. I've had some guests that took me a year and it's not because they didn't want to just as people don't have time and scheduling just took me a year, two years to get certain guests on. Like just be impatient and don't take anything personal. For anybody who's afraid of rejection, I don't know. Tell me, tell me if, if this matches your experience, but I have never heard somebody just straight up be like, no, I, don't, I, I would never do something like that. Not in those words, not straight up, like just shut you down. Right. Like never happened. <laughs> never happened. People like, man, I don't have time or, yeah. you know, I'll pass. Or I just don't respond. Well, yeah, that more often than not, it's no response. <laughs> yeah. But I know a lot of people are afraid of rejection. And mm-hmm. I guess my point is I, I the rejection doesn't really happen in the way that you're afraid of. Like, who the fuck are you? How dare <laughs> yeah, you ask nah, me to do this? No, 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 no. No one has ever approached me like that. Never, never. No response is the most common. Yeah. Just keep it moving. Yeah. So talk to me about engaging with your audience too, because that's something I'm a big believer in. You know, I get on my YouTube videos, I get, I don't know, probably between three and 5,000 comments on most of them. 
and I read every single comment. I don't reply to all of them because not all of them need a reply. Thanks. But I, I read every comment. I read every DM I get. I read all my Instagram. Like I read all that stuff and I reply to as many of them as I can. And that just seems natural to me. But what I'm learning is that a lot of people don't do that. Can you talk to me about how you engage with your community and what the value of that is to you? Well, I mean, that's what made me get more serious about podcasting because I found out that other people actually listening when I heard from them. You know what I mean? Because uh, I think for honestly, a year of podcasting, like I didn't really take it as serious. I wasn't as consistent. But when I start hearing back from people and I do my best to I remember when I do my best to especially if it's like a private message, almost always. I respond to private messages and kind of, I remember I got a private message to the point where I got on a call with the listener, a phone call just to talk and have a conversation and um, stuff like that. One way to kind of um, outside of just engaging digitally is to go to where, go to the conferences or the events that your, your listeners are at that you, they could have access to you. I mean, it's weird, but it's one of the f- most fulfilling feelings ever it's like to hear someone say oh i listen to your podcast and they want to they they start pouring their heart out to you and talking about you know and you could just have a conversation with them i mean those are some of the things that you know you should do as a person who has a platform or something like that i mean the comments it gets kind of crazy trying to respond to every yeah. single one depending on the size and yours is like especially on youtube that's a lot of comments yeah so you know what i mean but do your best to, even if you don't respond in a comment, make a post, a video or something responding to the comment that, or comments or the most frequent questions that you get. Because that will also make you feel like that person, because that's that one person, even though you've gotten a bunch of them, that one person who posts that question or made that comment says, oh, he was actually reading it when they see that you're one of the creators that actually listens to their community, people totally notice that. And it means a lot to them. So true. Like I think about even for myself, like if I get a reply to a comment on something that I left from anybody, but especially like someone bigger, like I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And even me, like, I mean, I, I I don't get starstruck. It's not like that. It's just like, it's meaningful to me that this person Mm -hmm. actually cares about their audience. And I just think it's strange that so many people kind of view it as a one-way conversation of like, oh, I'm going to talk to you and you're going to listen to me and that's the end of it. If you want to grow and if you want to build a connection where you got this core group of people that kind of support you no matter what, you would do that. If you don't want to do that, then you could do the opposite. Don't really just make it a one-way conversation. But if you're trying to build a core group, uh, a community, like who can you imagine who talks to the neighbor that only gives out information and don't talk to no one? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Porch, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like who talks today. to that person? No, yeah. who talks to that person? No one. No one talks to that person that every time you go to talk to them, it's all about them talking about themselves. They never ask you how your day is doing. That's how you got to think about it. That's a great way to put it. And I'm sure there's been some situations where you've gotten a message from someone and you're like oh i never thought that someone like this would listen to my show holy shit dude i remember it's like especially on instagram like you'll see like you know someone will tag that they're listening to such and such in their stories like some of the people that i'll I'll see like tag and then that they're listening to my podcast i'm like i'm still till this day i don't think i'll ever like someone taking the time out to listen to my podcast is just always and then on top of it when it's someone that has a huge following you know what i mean it's always like whoa okay i'm doing something over here yeah absolutely and i think podcasting in particular is such a powerful medium you know the numbers aren't as big as youtube but i would say that a podcast listener is to me maybe the most valuable kind of audience you can have because they're listening to you talk for you know 30 to 60 minutes or whatever and you know the depth of that relationship is so strong. Yeah, it becomes more personal. It it's one of the if you want to build a more personable audience, podcasting because hearing someone talk, even though you're not seeing their face, hearing them talk in your ears, you know what I mean, to get the cadences and all these different things, it just creates a different type of connection. You really feel like you know. I mean, there's shows I've been yeah. listening to for years where 
I, I feel like I'm friends with them. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, so hope, true. I hope people feel the same when they listen to my show. Yeah. It, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, and then when you, you know, and that's all comes back together when you get to meet these people in person, it just create this, this connection is always like, I could tell someone, I could tell when someone just kind of sees my work versus someone who listens to my podcast, fetch very much more personal. They are very much more like, all their guard is down. They're like, you know what I mean? It's it, the approach is very different because you've already broken the ice. They know you facts. And for a creator, like an individual creator, like if if your if your goal is to use like your podcast or or YouTube channel or whatever kind of content you put out as a way of like growing your career, I think it's important to remember you don't need a huge audience because I mean, you can only handle as a, as a service provider, like you can't handle a hundred clients a month. So, you know, if you, if you got one or two new clients a month out of this, that would probably be more than enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially, yeah, for sure. Cause sometimes not, not, <laughs> yeah. Cause um, if, especially if you want to do good work, if you want to yeah. do good work, you know what I mean? That's, that's ideally. And the funny you say that initially when I started my podcast, now it's no longer, this is no longer the direction. Cause that, as you know, like when you start a podcast, like you're evolving constantly, the direction, what your ideas are evolving. I honestly started a podcast to get more music clients. And because that's who I was interviewing in the beginning of my, my, my podcast, I didn't have designers on. I wanted more music clients, people that play instruments, stuff like that. And it worked, you know what I mean? And eventually, like, because I was interviewing musicians and I did not ask not one of them to hire me, mm -hmm. never asked any one of them to hire me. Just me being in that space and interviewing musicians got me more clients. And I would get contacted a couple times a month. So definitely that can be the goal. And so my point there is like, it's easy to get discouraged if you're like, oh, only, you know, a hundred people listen to this podcast or only a hundred people watch this video, but PewDiePie gets 50 million views in his videos. But you don't need to be PewDiePie. A hundred people, that's a lot. Yes, like just think about it. Always think about it. If you had a room full of those people, that's all you got to think about it. 50 people, you go to an event, 50 people, you go, you just translate it. You get a thousand downloads, 10,000 downloads, whatever the case may be. Translate that to that's the amount of people in the room. Once you start talking uh, more than 75 people in a room, you're doing good. Yeah. If you got a so that's people, how you <laughs> but it would show up every week to listen to you talk, that would be amazing. Easy. So don't get lost in the numbers and just remember, like, it's, I mean, if you want to be a Mark Marin or a Joe Rogan where your business model is to sell ads, that's a different conversation. Then yeah. you do need big numbers. But most of us don't, you know, that's not what most of us are trying to do. So if you're just an individual doing this as a way to kind of build your own brand, don't get lost in the numbers. I, I totally agree. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would say just focus on who is there, not who is not there on the amount. Mm -hmm. Focus on who is there. I mean, I would tell you, if you're starting out a podcast, don't look at the numbers till probably like a year, a year and a half later. Don't look at the numbers. Just focus on building quality content, engaging with the people that are listening. You know what I mean? And just little by little making your presentation better. I would say a year to a year and a half. Just that's your focus. Not how many people are listening. None of that. Because if you look at the numbers, they're going to be small and you're going to get bummed mm -hmm. out. If you're anything like me, you start looking at numbers, you may go down a rabbit hole that you don't even need to be going down. Like, you know, you just get so analytical, you know what I mean? And then yep. you take the personality out of there. You're just more trying to create clickbait to get more numbers. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on that note, since we, we've got about 10 or 15 minutes left here, I wanted to kind of switch uh, gears a little bit to talk about mindset stuff because mm -hmm. that seems to be something that you put a real conscious effort into. Uh, and I wanted to kind of poke at that a little bit. Can you tell me about your journey there as far as like how you've changed your mindset and how that has helped your career as a creator? Well, I mean, I'm just going to be straight up. Like part of the reason why I had to kind of change my mindset is because I'm a black man. You know what I mean? And 
if I don't change my mindset, I'm going to be a crab and I have no desire to be a crab. I have no desire to be pulling people down and, I'm, and I have no desire to stay at the bottom of the bucket. So I know that we are, we are emotionally driven individuals. Like we are driven on emotion. And for you to get anywhere, for you to grow, you have to be able to push your emotions down and let your willpower push you through. And the only way you could do that is by changing how you think, by being a, a very consistent person. And consistency is, is far more mental than people think. It's, it's basically showing up when you don't feel like it, mm-hmm. showing up when you got other stuff to do, showing up when you don't really have the time, but you're doing it anyways. And that's all in your, in your mind. You telling yourself, I got to do this, blah, blah, blah. There's been countless times if it's with podcasting or this or that, like, I don't want to do it, but you tell yourself to do it. And, and, and also fear. I feel like we sometimes allow fear to influence our decisions. And I'm not here to tell you that I don't, I'm not, I don't have any fear or anything like that. That's not true. That'd be a lie. The idea is not to let fear influence a decision. And the more you kind of constantly tell yourself these things, constantly push yourself mentally. I mean, just think about it as you working out. There's a parts in the workout that you don't feel like going anymore, but you still go. Think about these runners. You see all these amazing videos of these people doing these long distance runs and their bodies basically tell them, bro, you need to sit down. <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> and, but they still push through because they got to finish. They still push through. You got to just, because I feel like, and, and this is part of the reason why I push mindset so much is because you change your mindset change your perspective and now the control is now in your hands because every time you react to something that externally happens to you you've given that thing the control if it's a person if it's the video whatever the thing is you want to take back the control i so. think that is such an important concept especially for people like in my community so many people that are, want to point the finger and make excuses and blame and and sometimes they're right you know sometimes there is and, you know, there are very real obstacles out there. And, and it's Dude. it's not to say that those obstacles don't exist. It's just what you said is you can't give them the power over your life. You say Dude. that obstacle's out there. It's real, but I'm not going to let it stop me. Dude, there's this mantra that I live by. Responsibility creates opportunity. We all know everything is not our fault. But sometimes you got to trick your mind and say, if it, is, if it was my fault, what would I do? And you do that thing. You know what I mean? Like if you're not getting something, you give it and watch and see it comes back to you. Certain things are happening around you. You know, even in family life, marriages, um, dealing with your kids, just in general, the more you say, okay, if it's my fault, you, or if it's not my fault, but let me pretend it was, what would I do to fix it? And you do that thing. You know what I mean? Because we can always bl- blame someone else or, or point or, or, or make an excuse. But the more responsibility you take, like you want to you want to create endless opportunity, take responsibility. When did you flip that switch? And was there something specific that helped you do it? When I was at a younger age doing at working at companies, um, what I would do is look for the thing that nobody wants to do. Look for the thing that wasn't glamorous. Look for the thing that wasn't, you know what I mean? And go do that thing. Because once I did that, that created a leverage for me. That was always how I thought. Like, I remember one time I was working at a, at a just a regularly hourly job. And there was a shift, a working shift, like a midday shift. No one in the company wanted wanted to do it. I didn't really want to do it, but I did it. And that gave me leverage because now I had a little bit more control of what time I came in. And, you know, ideally that's what everybody wants at a job, you know, and eventually the same people that didn't want to do it now wanted to do it because Uh the, 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 the script was, was flipped because they saw how much control now I had and how much, 
whoever my superior entrusted me. And, and now uh, if I want to go and at this particular job because of the nature of the business and it was like highly secure facility, like we didn't get the day after Christmas off. We didn't get the day after Thanksgiving off. Now, because I've sacrificed and did this, I got the day after Thanksgiving off. So it's those simple little things. Look at the stuff that, you know, that's what I did. I looked at the thing that nobody wanted to do. Nobody wanted to be a part of or anything like that and just took it on. Eventually, the leverage came back on my end. Responsibility creates opportunity. I like that one. I'm going to remember that. And I think everybody listening should remember that too. I will let you go in a minute here because I have another call in nine minutes. But I appreciate your time very much. This is a fantastic conversation. Where can people find you? Any other kind of words of wisdom you want to leave anybody with? Where can people go to find me? Um, DP creates everywhere. D as in dog, P as in Peter, and the word creates. Word, words of wisdom, like it doesn't, there's nothing overnight. Nothing doesn't exist. Like if you see me here, yes, I went on Mark's podcast last, like a week or so ago, but I was chiming away for a long time. I started designing in 2006. You know what I mean? So nothing happens overnight. Just keep chipping away. Keep chipping away and building relationships, building your work and building your relationships. Doing those simultaneously, you'll see wonders. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. And uh, thanks again. Oh, dude, thank you for having me. This was a pleasure, man. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.